Welcome to another episode of Mind Matters. First up, I went to find out about a band called the Well Happy Band. I think the name gives it away, Well Happy, where I spoke to Janine and Aline from the band. Um, so thanks for taking the time out to speak to us. Well, um, thanks for having us. I know Thank that you. you're involved in the mental health festival this year, so, so that's good. So the, the first question really is, why do you call your band the Well Happy Band? <laughs> do you want me to? <laughs> okay, so we've got a business called Well Happy, um, and it's just all about health and well-being through science-based techniques that will help you reduce your stress and improve your immune system, um, improve your happiness levels and your sort of um, co uh, communication with people. So from Well Happy, the business, we then started Well Happy, the band. So we'll go on to speak about the business side because I know that there's, there's two parts to Well and Happy or <laughs> you, you want to call. But I, I know that, Elaine, when you started the, the, the band that you you set up with two, two of you, I presume that was you and Jenny, and obviously you're up to 13, so... Was it your was it your idea to to go for the a bigger number or did it can they just happen like that? Um, well, originally <clears throat> it was just me and Janine and us and our ukuleles and we'd both kind of written just a couple of wee tunes, and we were at the Eden Festival about five years ago and we went to the Melodrome, which is um, a mobile stage, and. I don't know, I don't know if it was maybe a bit of Dutch courage or whatever, but I thought, I was like, do you know what? Or do you know what it was? We saw the creative martyrs. We yeah. saw the creative martyrs on the melodrome stage. And I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're a phenomenal two-piece act. Um, and they use a cello and a ukulele. And I got totally inspired. And I said to Janine, I'm going to try and get as a wee gig on here. And 15 minutes later, we were on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> playing a couple of wee tunes and there was loads of people dancing and stuff and it was really nice so we got to know the people at the Melodrome mobile stage on that day as well so that was officially our first gig and then we'd kind of had a whole load of festivals that we were just going to anyway that summer so we just found ourselves on different stages just kind of chancing our arm really open mics and stuff yeah, open mics and just kind of testing the waters with it um, and then we kind of decided about six months later that we maybe wanted to in increase the number of people in the band. Um, and then, oh gosh, when was it? 2016, uh, we had our first kind of rehearsal, which ended up being nine hours long. <laughs> and about 15 people turned up and I'd given them kind of all the, the, the tunes to sort of have a wee go at. And it was just an amazing experience just to have so many people playing in a room. Um, and then all of a sudden our first kind of festival gig came up and that was six weeks after our first rehearsal. So there was, it was a lot of mental work and a lot of physical work to try and get the band up to a really kind of good standard to open up a festival in Arran. Um, and it was amazing, it was really great. And we did really well, 15 people, but, but the thing about, the Whale Happy Band and the thing about Whale Happy in general is we offer 
lots of different techniques which you can choose to do or choose to not do but what, we, what I wanted to do and what me and Janine both agreed we wanted to do was we wanted to have a progressive band we wanted to have band a band that was continuously learning continuously developing um, because that's where we were in our life is we were continuously learning and continuously developing ourselves and what then kind of naturally happens is there are people that find either the pace a bit too much or they find that they're not in the right place and they're maybe not able to deal with everything because we were a really busy band from the very, very beginning. We had a really amazing first festival season where we played all just about of the wee festivals in Scotland. So that kind of general pace was really quite demanding on a lot of folk. And if you're not able to deal with that, and if you're not able to be in a place where you can take on techniques to help, then there was a kind of natural fall away. And that's fine, because we just bring other people in that kind of want to kind of give it a go. And um, we are now down to a six piece, which was really good because, you know, you can do lots of stuff with a 15 piece. You can do just as much stuff with a six piece, but everybody gets paid a bit more. <laughs> 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 so uh, we're down to a nice smooth sleek six piece and that's musicians um and we have like a sign language interpreter that joins us sometimes we have Cara who does hula hoop and circus skills and uh, so we really want to kind of provide this this spectacle on stage mm -hmm. but really the core is all about helping yourself and all about surrounding yourself with things that make you feel good and going on a path that makes you feel good. Um, and that's kind of where it all sort of started and that's very much what we're all about now. You, you mentioned about some of the gigs that you've did right over the years. Just kind of give us a wee flavour about what festivals that you, you've been involved in uh, up, to, up to COVID right enough. <laughs> okay up till covid we are we do a regular thursday night with the melodrome mobile stage on at the eden festival which is usually the second weekend in june and usually we'll have another couple of gigs throughout that festival as well in fact one one eden festival made six gigs at the eden festival um we uh, the year before last we played the main stage at butte fest plus another two gigs We've played the Kelburn Garden Party. We've Dune. played Doing the Rabbit Hole. We've played Wicked Man, Man Solfest, Solfest. Um, lots of little um, community festivals as well, like the Hundred Bands in the Borders. And um, what was the place that we did that was down the borders a couple of years back, Janine? And it was a soaking wet day. Was it Galashiels? Wasn't Galashiels? It was through Clare. Oh, I can't remember. Oh. We played Dunefest. We've played. Uh, mm -hmm. That's all I can think of. Did you say Kelburn as well? I don't know if I said, but anyway, we've played Kelburn. <laughs> <laughs> party. Um, so, all the weekend of local grassroots festivals and beyond Soul Fested in England. Um, mm -hmm. So, we've, we've played a, a lot of festivals, a lot of festivals, which is really good and it's really it's really nice to kind of play to mm -hmm. obviously people that will come along to see you but also a whole new mm -hmm. group of people that then turn out to be um fans and, and people that really support the band as well and we've mm -hmm. got a really lovely following a really supportive following that um and you know and, and we help them as much as, as they help us which i think is really important so we're mm -hmm. we're on first name terms with a lot of our fans and and we keep in contact with them and because it's like all small mm -hmm. bands or emerging bands you, you really rely on the people that support you from the start and that's kind of what we want to do is we want to make sure that 
everybody that supports us is, is getting our support in return. So. Yeah, and a lot of the festivals we get to do workshops at as well. So we do like maybe a laughter workshop or an energy workshop or, you know, like sort of drumming and different things. Um, mm. So we get to do quite a lot of things and meet a lot of different people at the festivals. And we yeah. play Mugstock as well numerous times. Mugstock, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mugstock. Yes. So, yeah. The, um, yeah, so... Um, Janine was um, telling us about the, the kind of business egg and, and all that. So I want to speak to you about the, the business egg. So that's the the Will Happy or the Will bit of the, the band. <laughs> now for the happy bit, I, I don't know. If, you know, if, um, so the, the business egg, I've been looking at your website and obviously that you you offer, you know, what companies to go away for the weekend and, you know, well, not at the moment, obviously, <laughs> back in the day, whenever that was. Um, mm -hmm. So good, just tell us a wee insight into the, the business side of our journey. Okay, so we, we basically show people how to improve their experience of life you know uh, we, we teach people how to um, have different ways of thinking and reframing things we show them how to shift their internal environment so how to shift the biochemistry so I studied biomedical sciences and Elaine studied biochemistry and immunopharmacology so we have a really good grounding in how um, sort of biological processes happen within the body and we've really been studying over the sort of last decade techniques and how to actually consciously change your internal environment so that we can have a better experience of life and connect better with other people and do our jobs better and um, just have a better life really and so we work with individuals, we go into schools, we go into businesses, we go into nursing homes and we work with the carers centre um, and lots of different businesses over the years and we also, um, a couple of years ago, we got funding through another company, um, a production company, and we put on a musical. So we used a lot of the Well Happy songs and we did a sort of three to four month project with a whole load of kids in Co-Winning. And it was called Happy Place. And it was just such an amazing experience. I was always just there smiling. <laughs> it was so lovely. And the kids were absolutely amazing. But so, so we, we did the rehearsal process with the children, but we also, throughout the rehearsal process, we taught them the techniques that we use. So we got lots and lots of great feedback from the kids, from their parents, from their schools to see how their behavior had improved, how their attention span had improved. Um, and just basically how they were, they were just much more settled, much more confident. And we just had such an amazing time doing that. And that's something that we're sort of looking into to really expanding in the next couple of years. And uh, then do you see people's kind of like confidence change in terms of when they come to, you know, the workshop where, you know, that it could be the, a wee quiet boy at the back of the class or the, the workshop and then, you know, five weeks later, he's kind of like bounce, bouncing mm -hmm. in and say, no, no, it's okay, I'll, I'll kind of like take over that. So mm -hmm. these people's coins kind of change in, in a period of time. Yeah, no, it's really, do it does, and, and it can actually change over the period of, 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 of a session. Of a session. Mm. Um, the, the beautiful thing about kids is they're, they're still, you know, they're still kids. We're all kids mm -hmm. at heart. They, they've, they've they're all, really receptive. 
they're really receptive and when you talk about the mind body connection they can feel and understand the mind body connection and when you're when you're a wee bit older depending on on the experiences you've had or, or the knowledge that you know a lot of people don't feel their bodies they don't understand that their bodies giving them signs all the time and and is, is showing them things like like if you're hungry you know where the, the feeling is and what the feeling is for when you're hungry but you also know the feeling for when you're feeling excited or when you're feeling down and kids are really receptive to that and when you get them to tune in again to the, the the natural signs of their body they see and they feel completely different and when we do meditations at the end and visualizations at the end of our sessions especially with children you can see every single one of them is completely connected in they're really feeling it they're visualizing it and when you're visualizing something you're focusing and you're concentrating on it so you can see that their attention spans are increasing their understanding of their body is increasing um, and and because they own that knowledge the confidence about themselves as a human being starts to elevate and you can see that immediately with children and mm -hmm. even after a, one session with, with adults mm -hmm. as well it's, it's given it's, it's allowing people to feel empowered and feel that they're in control of their bodies and control of what's mm -hmm. going on and that's life-changing for a lot of people because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't feel in control at the moment which is understandable mm -hmm. but you know you can take your power back and that's what it is that essentially that we're trying to do is to make you your own hero and we worked sorry to interrupt we worked in a school once and there was a wee boy who had ADHD and quite severe ADHD and we did a laughter yoga class and at the end we did a sort of maybe about a 10 minute visualization with them and the teacher came up at the end and said that that boy never sits still and he sat for the whole of the meditation because he'd just done the laughter yoga and it had completely balanced him out it had really sort of calmed him down and he was he was so helpful and he was just so in enthusiastic and it was just so lovely to see and to get that feedback from the teacher just after that one session was we were quite kind of overwhelmed by that that we, we didn't realize sort of it could because it was one of our kind of first school sessions and so we were a bit oh my goodness we didn't really we knew it was really effective but we didn't understand quite how much of it, how effective it was until we saw that yeah. and, and it yeah. is the schools as well schools can be a really really positive place but if you don't if you're a square peg in a round hole it can be incredibly difficult for children and that's when you see different behaviors happening and it's not because children want to be like that it's because they're so unsettled in the environment that they've got no mm -hmm. choice but to behave like that and mm -hmm. if you create another environment within your class or within your school where things are calm and where things you know kids feel in control you get a different set of behaviors happening and that's mm -hmm. a, a big thing that I do feel that you know schools need to focus on and a lot of them are a lot of them are trauma informed informed now so they understand that certain behaviors are caused by certain things and that's great but there definitely has to be more of what it is that we're teaching if you can get that to kids at a really young age then they've they're starting to bring in a whole host of tools to their toolkit that will last them their whole life and their lives can be totally different depending on the tools that they know so it's it's really fascinating and it's wonderful to watch and i must have been brilliant feedback for for you as a, a business to hear that kind of like feedback off of the teachers so that means it's kind, it's kind of working in a, in a kind of way Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we definitely work at grassroots level and we're really, really pleased to be working at grassroots level because that's the people that need things the most, you know, is, is, is down at the kind of community base. 
Um, mm. It's just we just want to show everybody <laughs> what we're doing, and that's that's mm. another reason why the band was 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 formed was so as we could get these messages out to mm-hmm. to a wider and a different and a different audience. Mm. Um, just because yeah, it's just made such a difference in our lives, um, mm. and just such simple techniques that are free to use. Once you've got them, you've got them forever. As just as Elaine said there, and. You know how grateful people are when we show them certain things. I mean, we did a, a session on Sunday there of laughter yoga, um, and generally when we're in laughter yoga, there will be people who've got certain aches and pains or maybe some breathing issues, and we always get really positive feedback at the end that you know my breathing's a lot better, that pain in my back's not as bad, and we do a little um, sort of baseline when we start and we ask people to rate their pain their mood and their energy and then we come back at the end and we get them to rate it again so that they can see sort of that real-time shift and how they feel and so that you can actually sort of say yeah it's been the laughter yoga that's done that mm-hmm. yeah uh, i can't really uh, continue with saying to you without asking you about covid as well um so obviously the arts industry is getting hurt left, right and centre was um, COVID at the moment. So in terms of your business, how, well, sorry, in terms of your business and the bank side, how, how has your, your work been affected by COVID? Well, we just pivoted. We pivoted mm-hmm. as soon as we could. We, we, we put everything online. Janine kind of ran with it um, for the first wee while. I, I, was, I was busy homeschooling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 so my slightly different um, but Janine definitely just took a hold of the reins and, and Zoom as we were talking about earlier on Michael is just an amazing resource and it's just we wouldn't be making any money at all without Zoom at the moment um, but thankfully we've been the busiest we've ever been really mm-hmm. over the last year quite rightly so mm-hmm. uh, I've we both well, Janine was already running ukulele lessons at the local um, library. Yeah, yeah, yep. um, So, uh, and hers was going so well that I thought, well, I'm just going to start my own online ukulele sessions. And actually, you kind of think online ukulele does that work? But because everybody's muted as they're playing, nobody feels really self-conscious. So everybody's really enjoying getting, you know, taught how to play the ukulele and then knowing that they're on mute and the only person that can hear them is themselves and they're playing along to either me or Janine playing the song and singing. So that's worked really well. And we do all our, all our sessions easily pivoted to being online, which is great because now me and Janine don't need to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> go to our office. <laughs> Actually, something that I really, really wanted to develop in my life was I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to sit here and earn money. And now I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, universe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but with regards to the band, um obviously there's not been a lot of stuff been mm-hmm. happening but we did kind of last year was tough yeah because there's no festival season <laughs> yeah it was i think well my husband kind of approached me around about mid-june and said you know you've been sad for a month now and i'm like <laughs> well it's because it's because it's festival season usually i'm in a van in a field for like <laughs> the summer and i'm here um but we did at the beginning of lockdown we did um our boogly shakes music video so we did all that in our, our separate houses um, which was a lot of fun. Um, I got my wee boy involved um, and it was it was really fun. And then when things kind of opened back up, we were immediately 
out in the parks, just socially. We even had, we had, remember the, the two metres long pole? Yeah. <laughs> under a tree in Queen's Park, every single one of them was socially distancing. Um, and we played, we were just playing because we just wanted to play. And the further, the more we played, the more people kind of came and sat close to us. And, and before we knew it, we kind of had this lovely audience that were kind of like, well done. <laughs> I'm not going to clap too much in case anybody hears this, but well done. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. So, um, what, what would you like to see kind of like going forward? Do I take it, you know, obviously we're on Zoom doing this kind of interview, but do, are you going to continue to do a bit of Zoom for like the workshops and all that? Yeah, I mean, we've got um, a couple of things lined up for the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival. Yeah. So we've got an origami session on Saturday the 15th at two o'clock, um, where we'll be teaching some sort of basic paper sculptures and we'll be talking about how the Japanese approach health um, because it, it ties in with Nature Week. So um, we're talking about sort of things like forest bathing, um, Reiki, all different sort of techniques that um, other cultures use um, to, to improve health and well-being. And we've got a, a gig coming up on the 15th as well, on the night of the 15th as well, um, which is a, a, looks like it's going to be really cool and amazing. And it's, a, it's an immersive experience. So it's basically a big, massive Zoom call. So the band's playing live, but we're surrounded by screens. So we see all the people at home who've bought a ticket and um, will we'll kind of be there with us. So that will be a really interesting and new experience to have. And we've yeah. got a new show as well as of the 15th of May. We are, we've kind of, Well Happy's been going through a little, well, the band's been going through a little bit of a, a rebrand over the last kind of couple of months. Um, so we, we are kind of bringing sort of the more, we, before we were all about, you know, it's good to think positive. It's great that everybody feels really good. But what I kind of felt was it was kind of like, well, what, what happens if you're not feeling particularly good? You know, are, 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 is our music kind of hitting the people that it might need to hit um, when they're feeling a little bit down? So there's that kind of idea of, you know, there's a whole load of, you know, magic involved. The whole Well Happy journey has been full of magic. And, and a lot of people, when we do sessions and when we do workshops, they compare what we do to magic, but it, it's not. It, it might appear to be magic, but it's it's definitely not. So we're incorporating a little bit of magic, a little bit of circus, um, you know, a little bit of science and music into what it is that we're doing now. So we're kind of really focusing down and um, really kind of carving out this kind of whole new path, which is really, really exciting. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Okay, thanks for taking the time to speak to us and, um, and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having us, Michael. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks to Janine and Elaine from the Well Happy Band. Okay, we're going to stick to the music theme on this podcast and we're going to hear from Michelle Connolly. Michelle is a singer-songwriter from Ayrshire and she spoke to us about her career so far. Michelle, I noticed that um, at the age of 11 that you auditioned for the North Ayrshire Choir. Now, I'm not asking you to remember that time because obviously it was years ago, but how how did that kind of like help your confidence in a way? Well, for me, as a, a child, I always loved music. I grew up in a music family and the opportunity came at school. I was in primary school and 
I honestly thought I'd never get in it. I really genuinely thought I'm never going to make the cut. And I got an instant approval. And then it followed on to the Scottish Juniors. But one of the biggest things that helped that, that period in my life was actually having a, a tutor. So I, I actually got like, singing lessons from a lady called Lorraine Handlin, who got me through my grades. So I got my distinction in voice. And that helped me in that process, in that journey as a, a singer and a musician and composer as well. And, and now the, the risk is history, as they say. As they say. Um, well, it's just been, and it's been great. I, I play 15 instruments, um, but mainly you'll hear me on piano. 15, yeah. Yeah, that, that's good. I, I was going to ask you as well about, and, and then you became a singer and various kind of, uh, bands and obviously 15 different instruments and stuff like that. So get, get more kind of like opportunities kind of opened up through that. So I used to play in um, an events band for a while. I used to cover just occasionally if I needed to just be on keys and play drums a few times for them. It was mainly through events. Um, I'm a Christian, so a lot of it was gospel type style. And and I love that process. I love that process of music and creativity. But for me, it was I love traveling. So I have friends all, all over the world now who are musicians and very occasionally we're all within like a hundred mile radius of each other. And the next minute, everybody's in the garden. And it's mm-hmm. just a, a wonderful experience. And anytime I get a chance to do an event, even if it's in London or Ireland, I just put a wee message up and the next minute there's this moment of connection and um, and I've loved it and I've, I've loved it. And even during this pandemic, it's been so interesting that we can still do it, although it's very interesting on Zoom, mm. but there's still that, that connection through music and that ability to play together and just be together and explore music as well. Yeah, you, you mentioned about your... Uh, a Christian um, and an Ocus as well. Like in in two thousand, you were given the opportunity to play your first worship worship gig. Um, that must have been a big moment for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, it really was. I was ten, so I was young, very young. And I remember I'd only just started on the guitar. Um, it was my friend Alan McKinley, and it was a kids' event. And I think I knew about 10 chords at the time. So everything had to be within this 10 chord remit. But I remember the, I remember it like it was, I actually genuinely remember it like it was yesterday. I went on that stage and I just felt this is where I belong. I just loved that. Uh, I love music as much as people's like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a scientist. But I was like, I just want to be a musician. And it was just a redefining moment, uh, even at the age of 10, that even though I've got some qualifications, done some other training, the, at the very heartbeat of what I do is music. It's music. Tell, tell us about, a wee bit about your, apart from like your performance side, you also do uh, kind of like some community work as well, like like sort of in that, that kind of Ayrshire. Um, so tell us a bit about that. Give us a wee insight into what it's like with your, community work and how, how do you how do you see people's corn skins like working in the, the community? Well I for three years there I came back from London and I decided to invest in my community. I felt I have had at the time it was um 28 years of this community 
being part of my life. It was time to give back. So my first adventure was to approach the, age, the local age concern and offer a wee sing-along for some of their clientele. And they loved it. And there was something so inspiring about these people when they came along and sang the Mr. Sandmans and forever and ever, all these golden oldies, like your war songs, that made them come alive in that moment. Yet if I asked them what they had for their dinner, they couldn't remember. Mm. And it was so special to me to see these people come and connecting with one another, being part of the group. And we did that for almost two years. And then obviously, as we're aware, the pandemic hit in my local area just lost that age concern unit. But in the midst of that, I also partnered with the North Ayrshire Wellbeing and Recovery College to train as a drum facilitator and run workshops for drumming and mental health and wellness. And that has actually been one of the most life-giving opportunities I've ever had. I've, I've never seen people change in their confidence and their self-esteem so much through music than I have in that space. Like... An example could be of someone who was really anxious to come in and, and wouldn't even step over the door. But because it was music, there was something different. It was, everybody was in the same boat. It wasn't about being an expert or professional. It was literally about the connection within the process. And through that, we have seen many people just growing themselves to the point that they can now actually play the wee drum and they love it and it's just a wonderful to sit and watch when all I'm doing is facilitating. I'm get opening this space as a safe space and I've got obviously the, the college there as well, their staff with Jeanette who's an OT and it's just great to see the development of the students there and that's been a huge thing for me and I've always been about being part of local visions and areas where I can invest in even if it's art or even music, primarily music, because I love music. Mm. Do you know, it's like, if you were to ask me to go and do maths with someone, I would be a wee bit hesitant. But if you said, go and do a couple hours singing, I'm there. Mm. And I've just mm. always loved it. I've always loved that process of seeing people come alive. Do you know, the say the saying as it goes, music's the best medicine. Mm. And I think so much of that is actually true. Do you know, music can bring such joy to people. It can bring back memories, some good, some bad. But there's always that moment of pondering that happens where people just feel connected. Like I'm sure for the listeners, I could say rhyme off some songs like Bohemian Rhapsody. Some of them might even remember when that first came out, this groundbreaking track that broke the radio because they were never going to play anything that long. But everyone now would be thinking of that tune because mm. it sparks off a memory and music does that. It creates that sense of collectiveness and purpose and journey together and it's just it's been wonderful being able to do that within my local area and elsewhere and further afield. I was gonna say it must be a, a rewarding doing that kind of work like in terms of like um you see somebody coming to your workshop and kind of like a bit hesitant to to play a musical instrument and then maybe like two hours later you know, two weeks later, they they have millions of confidence and yep. they're kind of like leading the workshop and it's good, good year. So that must be um, a powerful thing to see. Absolutely. And and it's the other thing that comes from that, the other kind of spoke to that, that thought process is it's them realising that I believe in them. 
Mm. Sometimes a lot of the, the grey area that happens with music is with their confidence is that it's just that sense of, oh, I don't think I could do that. But when someone stands alongside them and says, well, I think you can, it just changes the mm. perspective. Do you know, we're talking about the mind through this festival. It just brings it back to the, the belief system that, you know, every person that comes in that, that door for us, no matter where their levels are, their skills levels, their ability as musicians, I always see the potential. So I always say, if it's a rumble and you can get this wee drum rumble, mm. you've done amazing. Do you know, mm. Sometimes that's all it takes is for that person to succeed in that rumble and then it's investing in that and it's celebrating that. And the colleges that I've been fortunate at North Ayrshire Wellbeing Recovery College, um, core values is about empowerment. We're empowering people to be able to, to do what they want to do and it's connection and it's, self, it's believing in them and giving them that platform where they see people believing and it's their peers, mm-hmm. you know, their community that's actually with them in the process and in the journey. It's, it's, as you say, it's so rewarding. It really is. I was going to say, Key, as well, that personally, at the moment, everybody thinking it difficult because of COVID. So I wanted to ask, how, how has your work been affected by it at the moment? Well, right now, um, we're in a, I'm in a position where I've had just the drumming. So I've had the odd wee event um, that I've played online, but that's really been it. Um, as I say, I've travelled a lot. I've had no travelling. So I, I've had about those those hourly sessions once a week that's been so important to me to be able to give that time to the, the group and be able to see them grow. And even in the Zoom model, there's still that sense of connection and family that comes through in the workshop and all those Zoom's audios are a bit interesting at times. There's still that lovely sense of community. But the flip side has been that I haven't been in the community, I haven't been able to do work in the community, I haven't been able to travel at events and has affected that side of it. One of my loveliest moments is we have a, a lovely lady up the road who went to the Age Concern and I'd mentioned earlier, it's now closed down, the council have closed it, who's missing it so much that when I drive by in my car, I roll down the window and I give her a rendition of Mr Sandman and it makes her day. Mm. It just makes her day. And it's things like that that I find so important. Well, if that puts a one smile on someone's face, me at the top of my lungs, in my car, singing Mr Sandman to someone about 400 yards away from me who can still just hear me. Mm. It just brightens up someone's moment. Mm-hmm. So, so I've, I've had to think, for me personally, like my business side of life that has struggled through this, this whole pandemic, that for those gold moments, it's been worth it. For those drummers coming online and just seeing the growth and the change. For that wee lady who walks her dog, like once a week, a re-rendition of Mr Sandman, because it's the only song she remembers. Do you know? And mm. it just gives that sense of, do you know what? This this hard year, this this pushing through of such a, it's a pandemic, do you know? But there's been such a sense of isolation that's happened within it. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Creating that wee space for three minutes with that lazy from a distance. What would you say to people listening to this then if they haven't, let's say, a musical instrument or or whatever in their life? What, what would you say to? Um, because I, I think like you can tell a story through music, music as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. 
Well, I've always said that you're never too old to learn. Mm. You're just never too old. And one of my fondest memories, it was a lady who's no longer with us. Um, her name is Sheila, who'd never played a guitar in her life. She was in her, her late 70s at the time. And she toddled off to Argos and bought the cheapest guitar. I'll never forget it. She brought it. She was all excited. And she told me how expensive it was at £17. And I remember having this lovely smile, but seeing the, the excitement in her, she couldn't play. And she ended up learning three chords. And it's the only three chords she knew. But I would take, I would have her on te- like bands and I'd have her play. And I look back at that set, that moment and I think, if this lady who had no musical background could pick up a guitar and learn three chords and write her own songs, there's nothing stopping us. And music often is a way of us expressing how we're feeling, um, expressing often what we're going through. When we look at some of the bands that have been out there, a lot of their music is telling a story. And music often lends where words can't. It doesn't require language. Music in itself mm-hmm. is a language. But the process of music is beautiful because in our mistakes and our oops, we hit the wrong note, that's where we find our creativity. Blues was built up in that scattered notes. But mm-hmm. if you play that in classical, it sounds horrendous. But it's mm-hmm. the experience and it's that expression. And for anyone who's listening and would love to be part of playing an instrument, whether it's something like a guitar, a piano, drums, whatever that might be, or even singing, it's a chance for them to express at a level they've probably not expressed before. So you you released your first album in 2019. That must have been a special moment for you as well, because I know myself and, and other people that is working towards something and you see it on like a, a book or magazine or a, in your case, a CG cover with, with your face on it and, and your the name of the album it must have been it must have been a special moment to see it was a huge moment for me personally I had a lot of personal ties to it so I had just lost my dad I was away in I was away on sabbatical and my dad died very suddenly whilst I was out the country and I remember this last moment that my dad said to me whilst I was still in Scotland was I want to hear your music. I've been on lots of albums with friends he says I want to hear yours and they never ever got the chance to physically hold the CD and I remember I went back down to England to my friends to, to get the rest of my things my goddaughter Tiana says to me Shell, I would just love to listen to your music and fall asleep so I would have her sat at the piano just playing she would drift off and suddenly I thought you know this could be an opportunity and I remember coming home and thinking I wonder if I could do it I wonder if I could actually sit and record an album at home I've got a, a wee simple setup at the time um, and I thought, is this something I can achieve? But always at the back of my mind, remember my dad saying to me, you could do anything you put your mind to. Mm. So this first album was a six-month pro- process where I composed and uh, I used various different sounds. So if, you, if you're listening to it, there's a song called um, Autumn Leaves, which has the birds in it from Harpenden, where I stayed. It's got the water from um, Irvine Beach. So the sound of the waves is from my local area. So this album has all these wee areas, which is just really personal to me. But at the same time, a chance for me to actually put it into music, something that I love so much. Unless you hear me saying it, you would never know. You just think, oh, there's some buds. Or 
oh, there's the water, but that whole personal meaning. And I remember the importance of that initial shock. I don't know if any lessons have actually released something, but there's a there's a vulnerability in putting your work on display. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, the lovely moment of, of getting the 15 tracks done and submitting it and getting the okay for, for it to go live and getting the CDs arriving. It was a thousand CDs delivered, the boxes and picking it up and feeling, you know, this is something I've achieved. And in that split second and remembering all the investment, my dad was my drummer, so my dad played drums for me and his brothers were classical musicians. But they thought they always said I was a musical genius because I played by ear. I was the, the child that arrived at the family music events and we'd be sitting with instruments who didn't need to know what the song was, they just played it, whatever instrument it may be. And here was this moment where in the first album, it was me playing the piano, playing some pads and bringing other instruments in, like in the background, it's just little subtle hints. But it was a chance for, for me to, to live that dream that my dad had that he'd never seen, to know that I would finally have something that was me. Mm. And then it started this ball rolling of, I would love to be someone who actually starts really releasing music. And I, I create and compose instrumental music, um, although I sing as well. But it's just lovely having something that you don't have to think too much about, like a background. Mm. It's all melody running around while you're, you're, maybe you're someone who just needs that quiet and a wee sense of inner peace. And that was the that was the desire of this album, this very first album, because as I mentioned, my goddaughter wanted me to put her to sleep. I don't know if that was a good thing at the time, or whether it was the nudge I needed, because I could have easily, very easily in that process, have said, you know what, no, I'm not doing it, my dad's not here. Mm. But it gave me the opposite. It made me think, you know what, this is my opportunity. And I dedicated my first album to my dad and you know that that legacy that he invested in my life as a musician with pots and pans and the wedding crystal that he didn't know it was at the time on the kitchen floor. Do you know, he gave me that space to be a musician and so did my mum. And it was just lovely to finally get something that I could hold in a sense, that sense of this is real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a, tough, a tough season in my life, but at the same time, it's been very rewarding. It must have been meaning to happen uh, as, as well. You know, it must have been a message from, from your dad to... To say you better make this album, you know, uh, and stuff. But uh, yeah, so, but uh, yeah, so so thanks for giving us the time, show. Yeah, of course. And one of the beautiful things about this new album, Seal that it's just about to release on Monday, is the fact I've brought other musicians in. So I've created this remote mm-hmm. expression, <laughs> and um, it has been such a fun experience sending the track over. I'd record it, the DAW, and send it to Tim, and Tim would be like, oh, I really like that, and he'd put his chanter on it or his saxophone, and it would come back, and then I'd pass it to Karen Henderson. And it was just that lovely process of still being connected, and that's a bit about what I've shared today, that importance of staying connected within the music. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks, Michelle.